So like all of the deities and yeah, yeah. peoples and prophets, all the people that anyone believes in, if we put them all side by side, I'm really curious if they'd all be like, y'all, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Me-Searchers. You're listening to the Me-Search Podcast, and we're your hosts. My name is Dustin Domingo. And I am Crystal Tugatti. On this show, we have critical, (laughs) messy, and fun conversations with each other, with friends, and with leaders in the community. And together, we'll unpack important issues, learn, and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. I'm really unpacking some stuff today. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's do yeah, it. We have so much baggage to unpack. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we're talking about faith-based in- education systems and how they meet students' needs And today's episode is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Uh, We were lucky enough to sit with a dear friend of ours. Uh, His name is Dr. Micah Hernando, doctor of psychology and homie of the pod, uh, longtime listener. And we were so glad to get him on here. Um, Actually, Micah is like a separate friend. Like you and I know Micah, but separately. Yes. Like... Micah, I know through like education circles, like uh-huh. higher education spaces are, I feel very small, but you know, I'm like personally, personally, because he's like friends with your husband. Yeah. Like, they, childhood friends, right? I, I, I think they know each other through um, similar circles in mm. their city. Um, so... I think that's how they know each other. I'm trying to remember, and then I was able to meet Micah uh, a long time ago. I think like during music stuff, like when we when me and Mike were gigging and stuff together when we were bebes, bebes, bebes. It truly <laughs> yeah. is like a super small, small world. Yes, out there in it, in it, in that, in that, in that. Edna. Are we Ursula? <laughs> Edna. Oh Edna. I love Ursula. She's my um, dream role. One of mm. them. Ooh. I would love to be Ursula one day. Do you know? Did you know that she's a squid and not an octopus? According to the cartoon, but I think in the in the what? recent live action version, they made her an octopus. Okay. I, re- I read that somewhere. Oh my gosh. She's a pusset before. Yeah. Oh, she's originally a pusset. Yeah. Is a pusset the same as an octopus? I think pusset is squid. Right. Yeah. So yeah. not. What is You know, octopus? whoever is... is more informed about <laughs> how to say octopus in any of the Filipino languages, you just let us know. Slide into our DMs or something. Oh, yeah. I only know pusset. <laughs> Because I love adobong pusit. Mm. I'm not a fan. To be really? Honest. No. Oh my god! Really? I think I prefer I prefer like calam. If I if I eat like squid, I prefer it to be calamari. Mm-hmm. But like, like breaded calamari or like like deep fried breaded calamari. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just I guess it's like a textural thing. Like I prefer I it to have a little bit of crunch. Right, I understand. As opposed it's, to like squish. Yeah, it's it's 
pretty squishy. <laughs> it's just it's a squishy protein. It's a squishy protein. It's a it's, yeah, very squishy protein. Anyway, <laughs> anyway what are we, we digress. <laughs> so today um, we were talking. Uh, we were talking to Dr. Micah Hernando, and he he did his dissertation research. Um, on understanding perceptions of spirituality and spiritual care for students attending a Seventh-day Adventist institution. So we talked to him about his research, and we got into so many different tangents that we thought it was appropriate to split up his episode into multiple episodes. Mm. So today, we are um, listening to a few of his thoughts and just reflecting on um, what he had to say. So... You'll hear clips from Dr. Hernando in this episode, and you'll hear him in future episodes this season. Hey, hey. Okay, so one of the questions we had asked Micah was, why would somebody who's not of a specific faith want to attend a faith-based institution? Um, So before we play his response, I want to ask, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. so in the past, perhaps, what has been your perception of the value of faith-based educational institutions? I honestly don't know. Because you went to you went to Catholic school. I did. This is yeah. This is me. My perspective coming from being in Catholic school education for twelve years of my life, mm-hmm. and now being removed from it. <laughs> um, I, I mean. I don't see the value in it um, unless, like, the school and the institution has, I guess, a reputation for their education mm-hmm. aside from the religion part. Mm. Like, I so had less to less about the religion and more about, like, these are the resources. Yes, the resources. Yeah, like, how is it preparing me for... Life. I guess college mm. life. Um, so I didn't. I clearly didn't choose to go to St. Pius, which is my elementary school education. My mom put me in St. Pius um, in first grade. She didn't. She wasn't able to get me into kindergarten, but I started in first grade, and I loved it. I loved going to St. Pius, um, and I was. I was a go-getter. The second I was in first grade at St. Pius and we had like a little morning prayer, um, there was like the class president of the eighth grade and she did like the Pledge of Allegiance. And in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be her when I'm in eighth grade. And I was. (laughs) You were the pledge girl? I was was class president in eighth grade. Oh, it was a very big deal for me. <laughs> you know that is a big that is a big deal because not everybody gets to be class president. Yes, so I was class president, okay. and I'm very proud of that. And like <laughs> I, I feel like the education, though not perfect, um, the teachers and who I was surrounded by and the resources that we did have, got me really excited about academics and mm. about life. Um, can't say the same thing about my high school, <laughs> mm. but I I really wanted to go to Rosary, uh, which is an all girls Catholic school. My reasoning behind this was like I'm going to be a straight A student. I don't need any distractions. 
I just want to go and study really hard and get into a really good college, and that's what I'm going to do. And Rosary is known for their academics. Um, They're a prestigious school. I had to, like, I had to test into it. So, like, not everyone gets into Rosary. Luckily, I tested well and was able to um, have have that education. And it's it's a it's a rich school, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, my mom didn't want me to go. She's like, "Can you please just go to Sunny Hills?" <laughs> I'm like, "Mom, do you want me to succeed?" <laughs> I was that nerd, you know. <laughs> Oh man, but I didn't do well in high school. Anyway, <laughs> I, was too, I was too distracted about a boy, <laughs> which is oh god, so stupid. <laughs> Amongst other things, but like that was a big one, which is like exactly what I didn't want to happen as an eighth grader. And but this was an all girls school. This was an all girls school, and I, I and you were distracted with a boy. Where'd the boy come from? He came from Oxnard. <laughs> 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 from a public school and I met him at a wedding. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, anywho, so looking back now, like I was there because I I was more concerned about my scholastic academic education more than I was my religion. And even at that time when I was probably the most Catholic, like literally thinking about becoming a nun. Oh my god, I um, forgot about that. <laughs> Yes. I was like, hardcore. Um, wow. But yeah, now that I'm not Catholic, now that I'm not Christian, even, like, I can still say that I am glad that I had the education that I had because it was very much resourceful. If I had paid attention in high school, I'm sure I would have gotten ahead because, like, a lot of these girls you know, they went to really great colleges like Ivy Leagues and like UCs and all the things. I went to community college. (laughs) But like, it's just like, you know, like, I know that Rosary High School has crazy resources. Like, there was never a question about like, can I have access to a computer? Do I have access to all these things? I had no question about it. Even if I didn't take advantage of that high school education mm. that I begged my mom for. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure you learned something from that experience. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Well, I never attended any faith-based institution, like academic institution, like K through 12, not even, even, even though like a lot of Filipinos in the U.S. um, have experience, like shared experiences Mm -hmm. in religious institutions and academic settings. Like I never had that. I think the closest thing I had was maybe um, like Sunday school. Mm -hmm. I remember like going to Sunday school specifically to learn about like religious customs, Mm -hmm. but I don't know exactly i guess when i was going through school as like a k through 12 student and even into college like i never even considered like what it would be like to attend a a, a religious academic institution um but mm-hmm. that is very much the norm for a lot of people so i'm very intrigued by how you were affected by like your experience i never wanted to be 
like a clergy member or whatever. But like maybe if I attended a Catholic school, I would have wanted to be like a priest or something. Yeah, it's, you know, my my Catholicism was very like really deep, Mm -hmm. you know, like I. Oh, gosh, like my quote forever was like, God only gives you what he thinks you can handle. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that was on my AOL profile account. Mm. I mean, a lot of people, um, I've heard that quote in like a million places. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like my like, ugh, that was like That was your thing. motto that you lived by? That was my, yeah. And um, now it's just not. And um, Do you not, well, before we like- yeah. d- delve into like the clip uh of micah uh responding to the question of like why would somebody who's not of the faith want to attend a faith-based institution like i kind of want to just pick your brain about like why that's not your motto anymore why is god only gives you what you can handle not no longer your motto i don't know i i i just for me i'm not (sighs) okay Let me put it this way. I believe in historical Jesus. I think Jesus was here. I think there was, I think Brown Mm -hmm. Jesus was here. I, I believe in his historical existence and like what he did as I, I believe and what I have read that he was a person of the you know, he, he was a person of the masses, you know, like he, he stood up for the masses Essentially, he was pretty much like, I think, a community organizer. He was disruptive, you know, and um, I believe in Jesus in that sense, mm-hmm. right? And But what I feel about things in the Bible personally, and like, if you follow the Bible, like, I respect you, please, like know that I have mad respect for anyone who is Christian. I do have a lot of religious trauma. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. when my tongue is a little bit sharp when it comes to religion, it's because of I think how it suppressed my voice, my true voice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really coincide with my my values. Like I feel like there there and you know, it's not news that there's a lot of contradictions in the mm-hmm. Bible. So it's hard for me to like take certain quotes from it mm. and like you know wave my flag with that quote on it, you know, like when I don't really fully believe everything in the Bible is true. Mm. And that's just me personally. I I I don't think that we got it all correct um because it's been translated over and over and over so many times. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what's real or not yeah translated and like with like so many human filters on top of it yeah and if we can acknowledge that we're human and like we make mistakes all the time it's hard for me to put all of my faith in a document written by humans Mm. okay i i asked that question also because like as i've grown older and explored more of my spirituality. I like to believe that, like, I guess similar to something that you said before of like everything you need is within you. I I kind of associate that sentiment with 
God only gives you what you can handle. Like to me, they're very much the same. So that's why I, I, I asked the question, yeah. like, why do you no longer live by that? Because like, yes, it is something that I feel like I try to tell myself, like, I can do this shit. Right. And I, I guess to, to clarify, then it's more of the semantics of it all. Mm. And like the source of like, where it comes from what those specific words come from in that specific phrase. Mm. But I do still believe that everything is within us. And I do believe that God, spirit, source, put everything that we need there. And because God, spirit, source put that there, there's a connection to that spirit, Mm. like the spirit that gave this to us. So I think that's that for me is like the most important thing about like my belief system and something that I'm trying to practice every day is that like trust in spirit, source, God, because God gave you everything that you need and the answers are inside. And I think that's made with a lot of love. Mm. I think spirit is love. And I feel like I was taught to fear everything Mm. (laughs) that, you know, and I, yeah. So anyway, that's another conversation. Mm. Okay. Thanks for sharing. I think that's, yeah, was like a. A poignant moment that I was like, hmm, maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Ooh, yeah. Thank you for digging. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and get into um, Micah, what Micah had to say about about uh, faith based institutions. Yeah, yeah. One of my colleagues, um, she was working with international students, and the uh, feedback that she's gotten from students who are from, I think, a few who are from like from India or you know they're outside from the U.S. and and they're not um, of that um, of that faith, and yet they find certain aspects of it that they can align with. Um, I think it kind of just breaks the barriers down of putting labels onto certain things of like, oh, like, well, this is one religion, this is another religion. But looking at it from a broader sense of, um, I may not be part of this faith, I may not be part of this religion, but I align with the values that they have. Um, And that's kind of the first thing that's come to mind. And um, truthfully, I think that's what is great about, you know, faith-based institutions now is that they are, they've become more open to others. Not to say that they, um, you know, oh, you know, only you have to be this faith to be in this institution, but to kind of, again, break those barriers of, you know, we can be from different backgrounds and yet still have common goals. What do you think? I love when we can come together as a people, regardless of where, like, who are um, who we are as people because there's not one person who is the same, mm-hmm. yes? And I know that we all have differing values or different perspectives. I want to say different perspectives. I think and I hope and I feel maybe, maybe this is very optimistic. I feel like at the core of all of us, We're all wanting to just connect and love. Mm -hmm. What fucks us up 
and seeing that we might all value the same or similar things more often than not are how people and institutions and organizations or groups of people start to kind of manipulate what the values are, right? Mm. So, for example, it it bothers me when, <clears throat> like in Catholicism, when we're taught to love everybody, love thy neighbor, that's like Christian across the board, but I'm just going to talk from my own Catholic upbringing. We're taught to love everyone. And that God loves unconditionally. But. <laughs> but there's a but. Which then it becomes conditional. So it's like. Because different faith practices have interpreted spirituality and values in different ways. I feel like we we actually step away from the value. So I understand what Micah is saying. Where it's like I'm glad that we can see where our values cross and where they intersect. But it's hard to keep up that, you know, that camaraderie and that unity when there are other parts of your identity that is not welcomed. Mm. And then the value is no longer honored, right? Yes. You said that very beautifully. I think I have similar thoughts on the matter. Um, I think when it comes to faith-based institutions, it's tricky because there are a lot of great things about faith-based institutions in terms of the quality of the education or the opportunities or the resources that you can get from attending a faith-based institution. Um, and I think all mm -hmm. of what Micah said is completely valid, Like, yeah. especially when it comes to Folks who are not from this country, he, he had mentioned like international students. Yes. When you are coming to the United States, one of the things, or when you're immigrating to any like foreign country, one thing that you need in order to survive is a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is to find institutions that are like similar in value, or if you can find... Uh, religious um, institutions that like practice the same religion like frankly immigrants will thrive in situations where you have that common ground i think the piece that you mentioned that i wanted to also like tackle here is what happens when you're from a community that's marginalized by that religious institution mm -hmm. where do you then belong can you thrive at an institution that has some sort of conflict with who you are as a person? Um, I guess right. I'll I'll give a small example. Um, as an individual who has attempted to apply for jobs at faith-based institutions, one of the things that they ask you to do is to attest to your faith as part of the job application or to like talk about how 
you practice the religion or the religious values in daily life. Um, and that's hard as a person from the queer community when you know one of the areas of conflict when it comes to like religious institutions is sexuality. That mm-hmm. can be a very tricky space, um, especially if it's a more traditional or conservative religious institution. There are definitely mm-hmm. religious spaces that welcome uh, queer communities, but there are also some that just don't. Yeah. Um, or they don't recognize you and your partner or you and your family because of their belief that, you know, like marriage is between one man and one woman. But if you're a heterosexual person and you're not affected by that, certainly this can be the place where you can thrive or like not even notice that those things are a challenge for others who are marginalized. So that's probably something that we can talk forever about. Or if Micah is back on the show, we can unpack that a little bit more. Um, But I think that's a good segue into the next question, which you had you had posed to, to Micah and you had asked him. What's one of the biggest challenges for students who don't identify with the faith within their experience at a faith-based institution? Like, what kinds of problems do they experience? So I'll play this clip now. I think a lot of it comes with, oh, if I'm going to go to a faith-based institution and I'm not of that faith, I don't want you forcing religion on me. Like, I don't want you to force feed that to me, Um, which I think has also kind of puzzled you know, those who work in like in recruitment, because it's like, okay, well, this is a faith-based institution, but you don't want that as part of the experience. So really, what is it that you you want? But uh, what I've learned from my experience is they want to go to, um, or they want to consider a faith-based institution, you know, to pursue, you know, their education, but they don't want to be spoon-fed religion or, you know, oh, if you come here, you have to convert. How do you integrate spirituality and education because again you don't want to force your own beliefs on a student but at the same time you you are wanting to put yourself into um, not just the teaching but you 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 put yourself into how you educate students and um, that's what I found um, through this dissertation is that challenge of integrating one's spirituality with um, education Okay, so Micah kind of like spoke a little bit about some of what we talked about, maybe not explicitly with like regards to marginalized identities, but like definitely acknowledging that there are individuals who may exist in religious education systems where they don't want to be spoon fed a specific religion. He did make an interesting point, though, like, why are you even here sort of thing? Um, yeah. And that, that part also, that part also puzzles me, to be honest, because it's like, if you're not yes. into it, like, why, why, why go? But I mean, we talked about the, the resources, or like, maybe the quality of the education. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if like, what are the factors that tip the scale? If you're really like, not uh, a practicing member of that community like what is it about that particular institution that like you're really like 100 i'm gonna go here because of this that's not different than like a secular school 
I just wonder. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I can understand why, like, I don't know, maybe there is just like this one thing, like the one thing that like might attract someone to a specific school or institution. I don't know, like, I I, I will say like, my high school had a really great theater program, you know, like, mm. I thought the theater program was great. It was like, I feel like we had a really great theater. I've been to like other, you know, high schools and like Servite Rosary Connolly has a beautiful freaking theater mm. and like how lucky. So like, I think if I had been into theater before I got to high school, like for real, for real, like... I probably would have wanted to go to Rosary for theater because like it's it's a beautiful theater. It seems like like they had a really good program. I remember going to see one of their productions and in, in eighth grade before I was in high school. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Wow. This like is super professional. Um, and yeah, but it's like at the same time, it's Catholic. What if I'm gay? You know, mm. like, what do you do? Can you withstand four years of being quiet about your sexuality or um, not be um, secretive about it and like say all the things and fear getting bullied or getting judged mm. or whatever? I don't you know. know. That reminds me about like a friend, a high school friend of mine. I won't like out them, but they were they were definitely like non-binary lesbian is is what I believe they identified. But they went to a like Baptist college. And I'm trying to think like why did they even why why is it that they went to a religious institution? that I know for certain didn't welcome, at least not openly, folks like my high school friend. Yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it's like family pressures or community pressures, or yeah. maybe like that was like the local option for this person, and maybe mm-hmm. that was the only institution they got into, or maybe they got a scholarship. I get. I suppose there's like so many options that there most certainly are factors because this person yeah. like decided to go to the school. There's right. Like, what if the college is like super known for like their basketball program and like you're on a one way track to be on the NBA, you know, like yeah. or something like that. It's like this is like they have a specific very a very specific thing that is like will take me to the next level of like what my dream is. However, it's like, how do I navigate myself, my existence, my identity for like so long? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sh- do I want to? Right. I mean, for some folks, like it's worth it because they do it. Yeah, for sure. It's just very, it's very hard and i feel so bad for those folks who have to endure years of that because school is not a short journey um yeah school alone is hard yeah (laughs) school alone is like oh my god school alone (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I also think of like institutions that are faith-based that are like very known, like you said, for a specific program. There are a couple, I can't specifically remember their names, but like they're known for their nursing programs. Like I have a, a bunch of like Filipino friends who went to these faith-based institutions for nursing, like because of their nursing program. Um, so right. yeah, maybe it is like, there's so many factors beyond just like alignment of spirituality or alignment of religion that folks would want to choose that over a secular school. Yeah, for sure. And valid, um, but hard. I guess it's valid, but yeah. hard for sure. Like I same. So how would you feel like if a faith based school was like only this faith can come like if you can only be a student if you can prove that you are truly of this faith practice, I know that's like discriminatory and maybe goes against like the laws. Do you think is it it's like laws that are stopping faith-based schools to only have students of the faith? You don't have to be of a pre- you don't have to be of the faith or like affiliated with a specific church to go to a faith-based institution as a student. Right. But is that a law? I don't I don't know. Because like if it weren't a law, like would Rosary High School only accept people who are Catholic? Only. Mm. I know they don't, but I wonder if that's if that's only the case just because of discriminatory laws. I don't know. I mean, I imagine like okay, what I do know for sure is that at least the faith-based institutions that I'm familiar with is that if you decide to participate as a community member, whether it, whether it be staff, faculty, or as a student, you have to commit to the expectation, like the religious expectations as far as like going to church, um, mm-hmm. being, you have to be comfortable with the concept of integrating religious ideas within within the classroom and you may not be a member of that specific church but you have to be okay with receiving that content and you have to be okay with the expectation that you're to participate as a member of the community i mean i can i can see that if like maybe i just take things personally <laughs> No, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It is a very hard thing to do, especially if the message you're receiving is who you are is not enough, who you are is not uh, appropriate, who you are is a sin, because that is the experience, especially for a lot of marginalized or, like, frankly, like gay people in church settings. It's like, yeah, uh, you cannot be in a relationship with who you love. And we're not going to recognize that. We're not going to recognize who you are. And we're going to teach this as the norm. Like, it's really difficult to be in. Uh, That's the lens I'm using because I'm coming from, like, a queer space. But, like, your religious trauma and the lens that you're using as far as, like, dissecting this um, topic is probably much different. But um, I agree with you. A lot of it has to do with like, you know, I have so much family and friends who are gay, you know, 
Mm. It's hard for me to see people like I love who are um, still practicing Mm -hmm. and have to deny themselves. You know, it's like. (sighs) I have a friend of mine who taught at a Catholic high school or might have been a Catholic middle school. He's a gay man. And I know for certain he had to keep that like quiet. I know in applying for jobs at religious institutions, like higher education institutions, that there's language in there that clarifies like you have to acknowledge that marriage is between a man and a woman. Stuff like that. It like conflicts with your identity. That's why like every time I see a job that's like, hey, I could do this job, but I'm not going to bother proceeding with the entire application because you get to a point where it's like they assess who you are as a person your your values and who you are and how you live um and that conflicts with the way they practice in their community Mm -hmm. but if again if you're heterosexual straight uh why but that place may be for you (laughs) yeah and if like you're like if you're a straight white atheist you might still be able to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because like yeah. you're still not um oppressed. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, like I think I think it is honestly so beautiful when we get to learn about each other's like practices and like where our values do like align, mm-hmm. even if we're different. But it's just like uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I think it's just like so hard and I just come down to like how so much identity gets kind of muddled in religion and not just Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. like other religions, yeah. you know, and I just um, I'm really having a hard time with this, y'all. And I I just want to say, Micah, I appreciate you and um how you're making us think <laughs> yeah this is it's good because again like this is a very hard conversation and the value is in getting to understand like why people go to these institutions what is the value if any and like trying to connect with the people who are affiliated with these institutions i, f- I think there's a lot of value in that and like we are having yeah. conversations about how perhaps religious institutions or our personal experiences with our uh, family's religious history has been traumatizing. Like, even though that has been a part of our experience, we can still try to understand where other people are coming from. Like you said it really well. Yes. There's value in seeing where things align, seeing where people align and communities, um, where communities align in their values. There is a lot more that we have in common than we don't have in common. Um, but at the same time, it is completely fine and appropriate to be critical of like the systems that we are participating in or that we find ourselves adjacent to. Yeah. So let's also, um, <laughs> let's end with one final clip. Uh, we had posed, you had posed the question of, who controls or enforces how much a professor can infuse organized religion into a specific class? Um, because we talked a second ago about 
the fact that there are expectations, whether you're student, faculty, or staff, that you're infusing uh, religion into the community because this is a faith-based institution. Um, so this is what Micah has to say about that. The first thing that comes to mind is who do they report to? And then who's responsible for that? And then you, now you're getting into the world of who are the decision makers within these faith-based institution? Because yes, because uh, at the end of the day, the student experience the um, is essentially in the hands of those decision makers, whoever, whether they be um, the deans, whether it be the provost, president, they are ultimately the decision makers of what happens down here. So I'm, I'm still kind of curious and I guess unclear about how much of religion can be infused and like when it could stop. You know, like, what is there any at any point, considering the fact that you have the knowledge that there are students who who might be sensitive to this material or to this practice just because they aren't of the practice? Mm -hmm. How sensitive are administration to the well-being of all of their students? Mm. Because I understand, and this is where it gets so hard, you know, it's like, I understand and I can respect if there is a faith that you want to practice and it makes you feel good about life, like, more power to you, okay? However, if you are part of an organization who is responsible for the education and livelihood of all of your students attending. I think there has to be a discussion of when would it get too inconsiderate to the people who don't identify with that. Mm. I think that's super important because like if if I'm assuming that all educational institutions, whether you're faith-based or not, is to add value and take care of a student's education, how they are feeling empowered in the world, how they will feel empowered going out into the world after the education has been completed at your institution. When does that consideration stop because your faith might override that? Mm. Or I I mean I don't know like how how important is placing the faith over the well being of the whole student body. Mm. I think that's a tough question because my perception is, and I I don't want to put words in people's mouths, especially if they're not here. But what I believe to be true is. The folks that are leading these institutions perhaps wholeheartedly believe that the faith is the way in which people can live full, happy, thriving lives. Mm -hmm. So this is a religious institution, perhaps first and foremost, because if it was 
solely about the education, then they wouldn't be affiliated with a specific organized religion. So I think the intent mm-hmm. of having places like this is so that the religious ideologies are also reiterated in spaces that are not explicitly religious. So like you may have a math class, a chemistry class, a psychology class that also talks about religious practices or ideas or norms. And I think it's sort of in the same vein of like, we can have ways to integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion concepts in any classroom you can also find ways to infuse religious ideas into subjects that are not explicitly about God. Like there's ways to do that. And because there are ways to do that, the people who are leading these institutions will have the expectation that that is being done. Like that's a norm. Right. Uh, I understand that. I I understand that. I, (laughs) I'm so biased, y'all. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And I, I'm I'm really trying so very hard to understand this. Like I, I'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around all of this. Well, and I think that's the reason why <laughs> if you're a student or if you're a staff or faculty person seeking to be a part of an institution like this, you really need to check their values and what they stand for. Because you need to you need to find where you align or you need to find that you align before you commit to a place like this. Otherwise, you're going to have a really hard time, like finding a sense of belonging. Right. I feel like this, we keep coming back to this point. And I don't know if it's my fault. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I just, after every kind of little section of discussion, I feel like it just keeps coming back to like, how can, how can we how can people with different identity or diff- different practice coexist in a space that is dedicated to a different practice like my honest response to that is like but perhaps the answer is you can't and i guess that like that pains me Mm. because I think inherently I just and I know it's super idealistic and super fucking basic for me to say like I just want everyone to love each other you know and Mm -hmm. I feel like I say that a lot on the show but I think like it's I know I know it's fucking simple and not that easy and whatever but I think the fact that it's not easy makes me sad It's not easy, and it is something to be sad about. I think what you're asking for or what you're getting at is probably something that takes many years because it will require the evolution of the interpretation of religion and like perhaps the interpretation of the written word. You, You had a great point earlier in our conversation that like, the Bible or folks, what people see as their Bible is like filtered by human 
human words, human perspectives, but at the same time, society changes over time. Um, so as we're having this conversation, it's June. I went to Los Angeles Pride, and I was very surprised to see multiple vendors or like multiple tables, multiple floats or carts of people affiliated representing churches saying we wel- yes. saying we welcome like LGBTQIA communities please come to our church that was shocking to me but i think what <gasps> yes. that says is there are spaces that may traditionally have been seen as like not welcoming to marginalized communities but it has taken such a long time for ideologies to sort of flip or mold into like the current perception of what is it to be a human being in this day and age. And maybe it's just time. Maybe we need more time for faith-based education institutions to catch up. I think what you're asking for is, is not unreasonable. I don't know that every single faith-based institution is there at this moment. I agree. And, and, it is very beautiful and joyful to see typically like these faith practices who have not, you know, accepted LGBTQIA plus community folks um, into their church. Like I see like pastors, like because I'm like, trying to learn a little bit more about like different religions and stuff Mm -hmm. and whatnot Um, on my feed on like my TikTok feed and like Instagram, I see like these pastors like who are like Christian pastors, like naming these issues and like how we need to reframe and look deeper into how the how people have translated specific um passages in the bible so like they're really confronting their own faith and their own um doctrine mm. um which i think is so important because it's like like in any relationship like we have to keep each other accountable we have to keep each other like you know we have to watch out for each other. And sometimes that means like, hey, this is what's happening. And I just need to tell you that this is harmful to me. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, we need that in every relationship. I personally don't think that it it excludes the institutions and the groups and the people and the family and the friends that we are associated with. I know it's hard. But like, especially in like these bigger groups, it's like, maybe we should say something because Mm. like we clearly see people while we wait in this time for things to hopefully evolve into a more accepting world across the board. Hopefully it's my hope. Mm -hmm. Like in that time, people are becoming sick and dying, you know, from being at the margins. And I think that's what gets me all the fucking time how people are suffering, you know? Yeah. I do feel that over time, faith-based educational institutions 
will become more accepting of marginalized identities, perhaps more specifically LGBTQIA um, individuals, mm-hmm. because that's what I've observed in community church spaces. More and more religious spaces are being open to the idea of having like diverse people as part of their community. I think maybe the tragic part of this story is we're living in a in a capitalistic society and mm. education systems even though they're not for profit or many of them are not for profit institutions they exist to make a profit mm-hmm. and if an institution wants to remain open you have to evolve with the people that live in this space and if more folks are coming up in the world comfortable with coming out comfortable with who they are you're going to need to accommodate these these individuals in the future at some point because it's going to yeah you're going to need to if you want to stay open right yes so i have yes i have faith <laughs> i have the expectation that in the future, I don't know if it's going to be in the near future or the far future, but it will be in the future. I have the expectation, the prediction, that faith-based educational institutions will become a little bit more tolerant, accepting, and celebratory of LGBTQIA students, staff, and faculty. Yes. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> we are at about time in this episode. <laughs> Um, let's say something nice about Micah. (laughs) Thank you, Micah, for joining us, um, and for giving us a lot of good stuff to chew on. Um, any final thoughts, Crystal? Yes. Thank you, Micah. I, Micah is one of the sweetest people I know. Um, for real. I'm, I... I love any time I get to interact with Micah. He'll text me every now and then, or we'll message each other on Instagram. And, you know, we just had a a discussion about, like, um, the Philippine stoles, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, He shared it on his his Insta story. And I just had a nice little, like, chat with him. So I love chatting with Mike, I love that he was on our show. He really gave us a lot to think about and like, um, you know, really reflect upon like where I am spiritually and also religiously, which is not, (laughs) (laughs) not now. Um, but yeah, like I, what I've come to realize is that like, in all my fight, I think what I just what I always come back to is like how can we come together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how can we come together and how can we better make people feel um like they are welcomed in all spaces, you know? And I think something that I that I love about um the big J, Jesus. Because <laughs> I, again, like, I think Jesus is a cool guy. 
I I think he was like a cool person who lived on our earth who was like, yo, everyone, like we need a you need we need to like question these Romans right here. <laughs> Are you guys sure <laughs> Real about quick. that? Are you sure? Are you guys sure about these Romans and like, you know, the government and like how they're treating us and like Maybe we should be friends with everyone. Like this leper here, like y'all are scared of him. I'm going to go hu- go up and hug him. You know, mm-hmm. like, dude, Jesus was dope. And like, I just feel like if we can maybe get to the, get to the bottom of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just get to like the core of like, I think what a lot of the, the leaders that have, um, allowed us to have these different faith practices, right? I think if we kind of set them all side to side, like if we were able to be like, hey, from wherever realm you are, Jesus, I don't know, who else? So like all of the deities and peoples and prophets, all the people that anyone believes in, if we put them all side by side, I'm really curious if – They'd all be like, y'all, calm the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're all just, what we were here for was to, like, show each other, like, how to, like, respect each other and Mm -hmm. love on each other and enjoy this time, this short time that we have on Earth. And, like, I, I, that's what I honestly feel. I I feel, I feel like if they all, like, just, like, you know, gather, gather around, everyone. (laughs) They'd probably be like, bruh, y'all are taking this way too serious. (laughs) (laughs) Chill. 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 Love. Peace. Love and peace, y'all. Love and peace. (laughs) You know what? I think there's a lot of truth to that. Because at the, when we, when we ask folks, like, what is your religion about? Or, like, what do you believe in? It really is, like, love and peace. (laughs) It is love, love and peace. peace, y'all. Love and peace. So I'm uh. like, as as much as I re- like respect and honor everyone's, you know, faith. I feel like I've said this over and over again in so many different ways. But again, like I think at the end of the day, we'll all be better off if we learn how to connect with one another. Because I think that's inherently what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Human humanity is about connection. Yes, yeah. and enjoying the time that we have. So, like, stop, stop pushing people away. Yeah, let it, let 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 them in, let them in. Let's all let each other in. I feel like Jeff Goldblum right now. <laughs> let, let let each other in. I don't know. I just felt like I had like a Jeff Goldblum energy moment. <laughs> okay, I feel it. I feel it. I, I'll okay. call you Jeff. I'll call you Jeff. Well, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was a beautiful conversation, Jeff and uh, Dr. Hernando. Thank you for yes. being with us. Um, folks, if you're not a me searcher, be a me searcher. Follow us at me search podcast and check us out online at me search podcast.com. And as always, we're going to keep getting to the bottom of things. This <laughs> is me search, folks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>